There are reasons to be anxious. There are reasons to have anxiety. In a one-act play several years ago entitled The Search, Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, Lily Tomlin, who played this play mostly, said this, if peanut oil comes from peanuts and olive oil from olives, where does baby oil come from? <laughs> anxiety. When, when you... When you fly when you go somewhere and you are flying and you are sitting there and you have no control and the voice comes on it's the voice of the pilot and he says something like this we are now safely at a cruising altitude of 29,000 feet safely uh, sit back and enjoy your flight and you're going but we're 29,000 feet and then he says, as if we are expecting no turbulence, so feel free to get up and walk around the cabin, but just in case, make sure your seat belts are securely fastened around your waist. Because you know, if we hit turbulence, you're going to bounce around like a ping pong ball, and the overhead compartments will come open, all that luggage will come down and break your neck. But enjoy your flight. There are reasons to be anxious. There's a recent book called Deerland as in the animal deer land. And the author talks about how deer are overrunning the United States. And the Department of Natural Resources in our state say there are 750,000 deer in our state. And according to this book, every deer each year eats 3,000 pounds of vegetation. So if you think through that in 30 years, this state will be an arid wasteland. There are reasons to be anxious. And then there are serious things that we have to deal with. On June the 14th, this week, the nation of Iran will have a presidential election. And in Iran today, this nation of a proud and glorious history, the, the, the factories are operating at 50% because of all the embargo. The, the gross national product has plummeted. Unemployment is at an all-time high. They are at a 40% inflation. The people are suffering, and yet the leadership is committed to nuclear power. And it's a frightening thing to think of the Shihai Crescent having nuclear weapons. It's a frightening thing. It's a frightening thing to contemplate so many things regarding the future. And so when we read in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. It's a vacation Bible school verse. It's, it's an easy verse just to memorize. It's an easy verse to kind of mouth. But I want us to think through that verse this morning. First Peter was written about 61 to 63 A.D., and we know that in 64 A.D., maybe one year after the writing of this book, maybe two years, 64 A.D., the, the city of Rome basically burned to the ground. 75% of Rome was destroyed by a conflagration that lasted six days and five nights. And so the people who did not like the emperor Nero were crying out, who did this? Have you misled us? Have the gods forsaken us? And they were looking for a scapegoat. And there was this tiny group of people who had just become known in Rome called Christians. And the rumor was that these Christians were cannibalistic because the Christians talked about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ Messiah King. 
And so wild rumors were circulated, and Nero blamed the Christians. He had to have a scapegoat, so why not blame this outcast, new embryonic group called the Christians? And so in 64 AD, until 313 AD, 250 years later, there was something pronounced by a guy named Constantine called the Edict of Milan that said the Christian faith is now officially recognized and really became the favored religion. But for 250 years, through ebb and flow, the church was harshly persecuted. In 64 and following, Christians were literally thrown to the lions. Christians were sewn into oil skins and placed in Nero's gardens as human torches. This is reported by, by historians that, that were non-Christians, a guy named Tacitus. That there was a general persecution. And so just before this happened, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord. I, I can see people sitting around their supper table in Asia Minor in 62 thinking, you know, Life is hard. We're a, a, a despised, marginalized group of people. Can we really raise grandchildren in this environment? What are we going to do? And so you, you look at it in context, and this verse just takes on enormous power. And so it says in chapter 5, verse 5 and 6, he says, Likewise, you that are younger, be subject to the elders. And he says, All of you, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due season he might exalt you. And the question is, how do we show our humility? Verse 7 answers that. Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. Because you are his personal object of affection. Cast all your anxieties. One person said this, are you humble enough to not worry? Are you humble enough to not worry? Jesus says in Matthew 6 that being anxious and worrying is a sin. So I just make three quick points in this text. Point number one is this, anxiety is real. Worries are real. We live in a fallen world. There are all types of issues out there. This passage does not say ignore them. This passage does not say deny them. It says cast them. It's the word you would use to throw a cast net. You just cast it. Or to take garbage and throw it in the back of a truck. You just cast it. You give it. It doesn't say ignore it. It doesn't say deny it. It doesn't say practice self-talk or self-hypnosis. But it says by an intentional act, you give it to the Lord. A magazine with a readership of millions had an article a few years ago on anxiety. And it gave four steps to conquering anxiety. Number one, it says meditate. Think of a word and say it 20 times in your mind. Meditate. Peace. I don't like my boss. Peace. My job stinks. No, that doesn't work. Just very quickly, to meditate means to reflect or to contemplate. So we all meditate. 
In some Eastern religions, you say a word that has no meaning. You empty your mind. The Bible says meditate, but the Bible says meditation is mind-filling. Mind-filling, not mind-emptying. For example, in Joshua 1, verse 8, Joshua's getting ready to go in the promised land, and, and the Lord says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, the book of Moses, but on it you shall meditate day and night that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. You think about it. Psalm 1, blesses man doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. And as he does that, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields his fruit in season and his leaf never, never withers. You, you think intentionally the things of God. Philippians 4, 8, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that is dealing with controversy, and he says, tells two women to just agree in the Lord, and then he says, rejoice in the Lord, and then he says, pray, and then he says in verse 8, whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Meditate on these things. Let these things go through your mind. Think about them. The second point in this article says you should exercise, okay? The third point is practice diaphragmatic breathing. You breathe deeply. The fourth point is to analyze and act. These aren't bad things. Another article from a medical website says practice have white noise, play music in the background, or waterfalls, or birds cooing, or cows lowing, or sheep behind, or whatever. Another says, this is very good, I think. Don't talk about anything overly serious after 8 o'clock at night. Really, I think that's a great thing. We talked, called some churches about how they did elder meetings, and one church said, well, we meet once a month. We usually go from 6 sometimes to 1 o'clock in the morning. I thought, that is a bad idea. I mean, after 8 o'clock, 8.30, I'm done. And another said, you should turn on the TV. This is interesting. And understand the horror of international news, which will make your problems lessen. <laughs> so you, you can search for thousands and thousands of articles. But you come to 1 Peter. It's written to a church that is going into a period of intense persecution. And it just says this, cast your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. It's just simple. Cast your anxieties on the Lord because he is and he has spoken and he is good. Woody Allen is always good for a quote. He said this years ago, more than any time in history, mankind stands and faces a crossroads, one path leads to despair and, and utter hopelessness, the other to total dis extinction. Let us pray that we have the wisdom to choose correctly. Man without God. Cast, cast, because he cares for you. It's just simple. Psalm 11, the psalmist David is, writes this general psalm. We don't know when it was written, but it's so profound. He says this, he says, Thesis, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to me, 
Here's what people were saying. Flee like a bird to your mountain. For behold, the wicked bend the bow and they have fitted their arrows to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Close quote. And David says, Jehovah is in his temple. Jehovah is on his throne. The Lord. Cast your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. In Luke chapter 10, Christ visits the home of Martha and Mary, and you know the story. The Bible says that, that Martha was distracted because of her ongoing, endless preparation while Mary sat at the feet of Christ. And Martha finally came into the room exasperating. She says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. And Jesus says this, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, what he's not saying there is it's good to be lazy. It's good to do nothing. Well, what he's saying is this object, like, said, don't, don't be so distracted by the concerns and the cares and the worries and the preparations of life that you forget to do the one thing that is necessary before you do anything else, and that is sit at the feet of Messiah King and drink in his reality. See, that, that is casting your anxieties upon the Lord, knowing that he cares for you. Or as one translation says, you are his personal concern. Heidelberg Catechism, question one, what is your only comfort in life and death? Answer, my only comfort in life and death is that I do not belong to myself, but I belong to my li the living Christ, who's by his Shed blood has fully satisfied for all of my sins. And he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Two clauses. He's fully satisfied for all my sin. We glory in the cross. But, but, but the same God who bore our sins in his body on the cross today carries our anxieties and our pains. Not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my heavenly Father. Echoing the words of Christ when he says with great clarity, not a bird can fall from the heavens without your heavenly Father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered and he says, and you're much more important than birds. The same Christ who bore my sins carries my anxieties and my burdens. That's it. Cast your anxieties, your concerns. George Mueller was uh, a well-known man of God who lived in the 19th century, died in uh, 1898, he was 93 years old, but for many years, George Mueller was in charge of various orphanages that held up to 3,000 orphans, a man of deep prayer, and 
He would go to bed at night many times, and there would be no food in the pantry to feed the orphans the next day. It's just an amazing story, and God provided day after day. And one time, George Mueller was asked, said, Reverend Mueller, with all the concerns you have and all the orphans you have to feed, how is it that you can live in such a carefree fashion? And this is what he said. This morning, I rolled 60 things on the Lord. I cast 60 things on the Lord this morning. Now, I, I, I struggle with these issues. You do too. But I love that. Hudson Taylor was a missionary. He went to England when he was 21 years of age. He served there off and on, except when he had very severe illness uh, for the next 54 years. He started China Inland Mission that grew from just a handful to 550 missionaries in his lifetime. He died in 1905. Uh, Hudson Taylor knew sorrow. He buried a daughter he loved dearly. He buried a wife who died in childbirth after he buried his daughter. He remarried. His second wife died of, I think, of scarlet fever in China. She was buried. He was almost killed in a riot as a missionary in China. had to hide and flee for his life. He knew troubles. In fact, in 1900, the Box Rebellion swept through China and 54 missionaries from the China and the mission were martyred. But one day late in his life, Hudson, uh, Hudson Taylor was told about some of the troubles with the mission and some of the troubles with missionaries, and they had prayer, and five minutes later, his friends heard him whistling, whistling his favorite hymn. It's entitled, Jesus, I Am Resting, Resting. And the hymn goes like this, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. Jesus, I am resting. It's a Bible school concept. Cast your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. You are his personal concern. When Sarah and I were in Texas, we went to a concert one time, and it was featuring a guy named Burl Ives, if you remember him. Great storyteller, great singer, folk ballads. In the middle of the concert, he sang the wonderful little tune, His Eye is on the Sparrow, and I Know He Watches Over Me. And the refrain is, you ask me why I'm happy, you ask me why I sing, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And I know he watches over me. Some of the great hymns of faith celebrate this. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. That, that was written in 1862 by a young professor named Paul Gilmore, whose father was the governor of New Hampshire. He had just preached a little statement on Psalm 23, and they were weeping over the multiple deaths of the war between the states. And he went home and he wrote, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. Or the incomparable Isaac Watts, who wrote, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. And then he says this, under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. 
Sufficient is thine arm alone, and thy defense is sure. Man, that's good stuff. It is just an elaboration of cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Do you see that? Do you see that? If you're a Christ follower, do you know that? Point number three is that when life is over, it is not. What Christ says, Christ says, don't, don't, don't fear the one who can just destroy your body. He says, this is the one you should fear. You should fear the one who can destroy your body and your soul in hell. You should worship that one. You should be aware of that one. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, when life is over, it is not. It says this, that and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. When life is over, it is not. Now, I read this, and this is what blows my mind. The Holy Spirit of God inspired the book of 1 Peter. He preserved the pen of Peter from writing error. He wrote as God directed him. That's called biblical inspiration. The Holy Spirit of God knew the future. The Holy Spirit of God knew that in two or three years there was a mad, maybe syphilitic emperor named Nero who would, with unbridled arrogance, persecute the church, feed people in the lion's den, use them as human torches in his garden. And he knew that for at least 250 years in the Roman Empire, not to speak of places like North Korea and Iran, and Nigeria. He knew that Christians would be persecuted simply because they stood for Jesus. And yet this is what he says to the church that's going into incredible persecution. Cast your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. How do you live out the dictates of, 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 of humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God? You do this. You cast your anxieties that's, what, that's our call. That's what we're called to do. It, it, it humbles me. And, and so this, this letter was written, and this is what he says. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Why do you entrust your souls? Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. Because his eye is on the sparrow and he watches over you. you I'm, I'm with some of you and you tell me what you're going through and, and you show great faith. And I am humbled. I'm humbled to the ground. You're just trusting the Lord. You say, I, I don't exactly understand why this is happening or how this will turn out. But I know that God is God and he is good and I'm trusting him. And I know that when, when, when life is over... And, and I know that, that when, when it's all said and done, it is not. It's only the beginning. Because a glory awaits. And doing research for this, I read a little line by somebody. It says, you know, I worry about God getting Alzheimer's and forgetting me. I never worry about that. I look at the cross. So, so, how do you cast? 
how do you cast your anxieties about graduate school? About being single? About the future of your children? About the health of your children? About the health of your job? The well-being of your marriage? About your cancer? How, how, how do you cast? How do you throw it? I think you make a beeline to the cross. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he is without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence, that's it, confidence, to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Confidence. Then he says in chapter 10, this is so good, this is so good. Confidence. You make, you make a beeline to Jesus. Chapter 10, verse 19. And therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, see, confidence, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that is open for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. See, in the Old Testament, the holy places were only entered once a year by one man. There's a big sign over the holy place that says, stay out. Verboten, forbidden, bracket, until Messiah comes. Jesus dies on the cross, and when he says it is finished, that curtain that says forbidden is torn from top to bottom. And because of Jesus and the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament, in the one act of Messiah King, God says, come on in. Come on in. That's good. This is good stuff. And since we have a, a great priest over the house of God, who's fulfilled the priestly duties, he's saying, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So, so how, how do you cast church? You run to Jesus. You go to Christ and, and, and you say, Lord, I'm, I'm giving you this because you're good and you're glorious. And you're my great high priest. And you're the God, the same Savior who bore my sins, now bears my sorrows my anxieties, my burdens, my questions. And you sing hymns, really. And you quote scripture, you read scripture. You, you, you cast them. Are you, listen, are you humble enough to not worry? That's a message to my heart. So I, I want us to pray right now. I want to leave some prayers. We're going to be real quiet for a minute, and we're just going to pray. And seek the Lord, okay?
where now we, everyone here, everyone here has anxieties. We have questions. Some people here have crushing sorrows. And uh, Lord, we need to every day, sometimes every hour of every day, just stand still and say, Lord, Savior, High Priest, King Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I cast this at your feet. I give them to you. And I do this knowing that I am your personal project. I do this knowing that you've called me unto yourself. And so, Lord, now in the quietness of this hour, we, we give you a concern and anxiety. We don't ignore it. We don't deny it. It's there. But we give it to you. And as we give it to you, while the world around us is shouting, flee to the mountains because the wicked have drawn the bow and they've put the arrow in the string and you're in the, you're in the crosshairs. But we stop and we say, whether it is health, whether it is our future, whether it is our children, whether it is our job, Lord, you're on your throne. You're on your throne. You're Jehovah God. We trust in you because we see your love poured out for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that you're trustworthy. We give it to you. Thank you, Lord. We cast it on you because you care for us. And we pray now, Lord, as you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.